Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by our producer and our co-host now on our weekly pod, and that is Alex Uplinger at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod is where you can find him managing our podcast Twitter. Alex, good to have you back aboard. How's your week been? Greg, it's great being back. We're doing well. I I just lost my uh, White Sox World Series ticket, but that's all right. We're we're on to the next. We're on to the NFL, which is the best of them all. So we're doing well. I was gonna say you're uh, tuning out on baseball until April. Now I take it. Yeah, I'm done. I'm still I'm still celebrating this Nationals World Series. I'm looking back. Fair enough. So uh, obviously, we're gonna run through every game in the NFL Week Four rotation. Uh, give you some leans and a few plays. I do have to say right off the bat, not a ton at first few glances this week that I'm loving. I always kind of monitor the numbers, and there have been a few games that I've kind of had leans on that I have just wanted to track the numbers a bit and not haven't played anything. But, uh, Alex, I suppose that's one thing is uh, sports bettors, particularly with the NFL, that is the most enjoyable sport to bet on. I think everybody will agree there. Yeah have to be able to try and stay grounded and pick your spots and a four or five pick card versus an eight or nine pick card is no different, right? I mean, you kind of just got to be able to, how are you with that? Just kind of managing your, your bankroll and not firing just to fire. Yeah, it's tough. Come, come NFL Sunday. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not loving as much as usual on this week, but Come Sunday, it's so tough when you see all those other props going up. You see player right. props and other first touchdown stuff going up that you like. It's 
it's tough not to fire, but yeah, just try to stay the course and and uh, less less is more for sure. Winners are better than losers. Yeah, and and of course the big story for the NFL from a gambling perspective so far through three weeks has been overs catching at about sixty percent. Uh, you talked a little bit about how the no fans might be helping a little bit more because it's something we didn't really talk about before we hopped on or in prior episodes. But you think about the offenses, they're normally the ones that need to communicate more, whether it's a quarterback with uh, pre-snap reads and checks at the line of scrimmage or just getting stuff to his wide receivers or the offensive line calling out different things the defense is doing. It's a fair point. I mean, normally when you play defense, yeah, obviously there's different stunts and things that they're doing as well, but it's pretty simple. You want to find the ball carrier and, and tackle them. Uh, so I I do guess that maybe the communication uh, leads to some more overs as well, and, and we've seen totals, I don't think at least, have really been drastically adjusted. Have you noticed anything there? Uh, this week feels a little higher, but also – like what you're saying, yeah, the overs are hitting at 29 to 10. And I know I've been playing a bunch of unders. We've agreed on several. Yeah. I think just the lack of live reps, I think that's really hurting the defense. The lack of a little tackling. bit about the tackling, yeah. Yeah, we were texting back and forth that Green Bay and New Orleans was brutal to watch. There was zero tackling. It's just it's painful to see. It, I mean, it's great for the public and the overs. Those, those are the most – fun things to bet so sure a lot of people are having fun and cashing some tickets on this so let's jump into the nfl rotation for week four um we're going to start with a non-conference game between a couple of teams in the upper midwest and it is the indianapolis colts traveling to take on the chicago bears indianapolis two-point chalk on the highway a total of 43 in this game Sidewise, I don't have a ton. Obviously, the big story here is Nick Foles getting the start for Chicago. As I think we all know, the Bears are a very fraudulent three and zero, but they are three and zero, and it was time for them to make the move after Mitch Trubisky uh, looked to be laying another egg in the first half against Atlanta last week. And Nick Foles does what Nick Foles does. He's either going to look really good or really bad, and you're not really sure what you're going to get on a week to week basis, but. The Bears got good falls last week. They get to 3-0. and And now they are two-point home dogs here. Uh, and so you could argue they're being disrespected, but I'd have a hard time buying that argument because, as I said, they really don't deserve to be 3-0, and having needed to come back from huge deficits in the second half against Atlanta and Detroit in weeks one and three. And then in week two, they nearly let the New York Giants come all the way back and win the game in the closing seconds. So – certainly a lot of phoniness to the Bears. However, you know, so that makes me hesitant on the side because I just think collectively they're not a very good football team, but I do think that Foles is an upgrade over Trubisky. Um, And so for that reason, I also kind of lean here, and I, I might get there come Sunday if I see something as we record on Thursday night here. If I don't see a ton else that I like in the next 48 hours or so, I could see myself playing this game over the total as we're sitting at 43 right now in this game. And the reason that I mention that is because I think that you could see a Bears team that decides to uh, take some more chances offensively. We saw Nick Foles hit some big plays in the passing game that helped lead them back. And I think, generally speaking, Nick Foles is somebody that, as I said, he's either going to look really good or really bad. And if he does look good you can hit some big plays with him so I think Chicago is going to open it up a little more offensively and conversely if we get the bad falls in this game he could turn the ball over and that could lead to a few short fields for Indianapolis so I think there's some an interesting argument to be made as I just laid out there for the over but I don't have anything sidewise how do you look at this first game in the rotation nothing official for me but I do agree falls is a Huge upgrade. Currently, I'm seeing on Action Network, I'm seeing 60% of bets on the Colts, but I'm seeing 55% of money on the Bears, so there is some money coming on the Bears as home underdogs. I would lean that way as well. I think Foles can open this offense up. They have plenty of playmakers, as we know, with Allen Robinson. We saw it last week, Um, but nothing official. I would 
I would lean the over as well. So let's go from one NFC North underdog to another, where we have the Detroit Lions hosting the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans number two five three in the rotation. Detroit number two five four. Uh, New Orleans four-point chalk on the road at Ford Field. Alex, I know that you kind of jumped off the Lions bandwagon last week. What do you need to see for them to get back on? Outright win here and you're back in, two and two? Uh, Two and two would get me back. Yeah, I'm still holding on to that NFC North ticket, but the the Packers look unstoppable right now, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Packers have surprised me as well, and – I also have that NFC North ticket on the Lions, and Packers under nine wins isn't looking great early on. But let's bring it back to this game in Detroit. The Lions do show a little bit of life last week. Uh, Their offense certainly missed Kenny Galladay. He gets in the end zone. Uh, I was a little surprised to see Adrian Peterson getting as much work as he was getting against the Arizona Rundy. But nonetheless, they're able to score enough points, and they win it on that Prater field goal in the desert um, and then you look at uh, on Jeff Okuda on defense with an interception. He looks to kind of be settling in uh, as a rookie after Aaron Rodgers picked on him a lot in week two. And then we look at the New Orleans side of this. I don't know what to make of their defense right now. And that was this is the big concern for New Orleans because I think we all know that Drew Brees is on his way out the door perhaps as early as the end of this season down in the Big Easy. And we know that – New Orleans is going to need to rely on its defense a lot more, and they're not going to be able to win these shootout-type games that they got into last week on Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. And the week before, they were also on prime time, and the uh, Vegas Raiders offense pretty much did whatever they wanted with them. So I'm very concerned about this New Orleans defense right now. And simply put, I'm not saying I'm running to back Detroit in this spot, but if you cannot play defense, how can I lay over a field goal with you? That just doesn't seem like the back door is always going to be open. It doesn't feel safe to where I can trust your defense to make stops. I'm not saying the New Orleans defense is completely doomed for the season, but I'm going to need to see a get-right performance from them the way they played for most of that game against Tampa Bay in Week 1 before I back New Orleans laying over a field goal on the road. So this game is just going to be a straight pass for me. Yeah, I'm going to pass as well. I It feels a little high at 54 for the total points. It feels a bit high, um, but it's going to be a pass. I do like uh, Detroit overall at uh, plus four. I would consider it if, if maybe it was six or so, I would play it. I see that Lattimore didn't practice today um, and also – Andreas Pete didn't practice. That's her tackle. Sure. So yeah. makes me a little nervous for uh, New Orleans betters. Let's keep things moving and go down to the south where we have the Arizona Cardinals traveling cross country to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers get the first win in the Matt Rule era last week out in L.A., defeating the L.A. Chargers as seven-point dogs. The Panthers get the outright win. They are now field goal pups at home, total of 51.5. I do think it's worth noting this number has been bet down a little bit. I was seeing at the beginning of the week Arizona laying four, four and a half. Not a surprise, in my opinion, to see the Carolina money come a little bit there. Arizona... I talked about them last week, and while I am a big Detroit believer season long, and I'm going to hang in there with them, as we just talked about, I was a little hesitant to hop on the Arizona train just yet. Uh, They had beaten San Francisco, a banged-up San Francisco team, and then obviously the Washington football team could not nearly keep up with that Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins offense. Uh, And so I kind of felt like the hype train was not necessarily off the rails, but Uh, a little wobbling, a little back and forth, we'll say, a little too much so for my liking to hop on. And uh, now we're seeing DeAndre Hopkins has missed some practices for the Cardinals, so something to monitor there. Um, And I do think that just in general, uh, Arizona is in the midst of a three-game stretch against lackluster opponents, Detroit last week, Carolina this week, and then they play the Jets next week. There was a lot of people that were already coronating them at 5-0, and after that, Jets game, they play the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football, and I just think last week was a pump-the-brakes moment on Arizona, but now we're seeing them laying a field goal on the road. I can't get there yet with them, and 
It's not a team I want to trust. Carolina, they're not the best team in the NFL by any means. They're one of the worst. But I think you know week in and week out that they're going to play hard. It's a new coaching staff trying to establish a culture. And they went cross-country last week and found a way to win without Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. So I, I'm not saying I love the Carolina side here either. I know you kind of like the total. Um, and I do think given the way Arizona can kind of run up and down the field on you and Carolina's defense still leaves a lot to be desired, I kind of think the over would be the play on the total if I were to make a play on this game. But I'm going to stay away. Again, I just don't want to trust Arizona yet uh, in the favorite role. So um, I'll look to another game for my investment. But you're going to play the over here. Yeah, admittedly, I was all over the cards last week. I'm I'm not quite off the bandwagon, but I'm not going to take their side here. It feels, feels a little trappy on the road. It feels a little too low. But I am going to play the over. The Panthers... Their over has hit six of seven of the last games at home. Also, the cards are going to be without uh, starting safety. Buda Baker, he's going to get thumb surgery this week, it looks like. And then also Chris Banjo, his uh, counterpart in the safety, he didn't practice today. So I'm looking I'm looking to the over. The Panthers, they rank 22nd in the NFL, giving up 382 passing yards per game. So that's pretty high. I think uh, I think Carolina, they can score, and I think Arizona can exploit that secondary. I think they'll put up enough points. I think this will go over easily. On we roll to Southwest Ohio, where we have the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Bengals perhaps lined up to get the first win of the Joe Burrow era. They are three-point chalk against Jacksonville total of 49 and a half in this one and Alex when I first saw this number I thought well or you know I should say before I saw the number I thought especially as an Eagles fan watching Joe Burrow and the Bengals last week I thought well hey they're close they're knocking on the door they lost by a field goal to the LA Chargers on a box kick from 30 some yards out they covered against the Browns in a game that, granted, wasn't all that competitive, but they got the cash where it counts for us as gamblers. And they covered last week and nearly had a chance, I mean, a tie game. Obviously, they had a chance to win that game on the road in Philly. So it definitely feels like Cincinnati is close, and there's probably a lot of optimism surrounding the Bengals, despite the fact that they are 0-2-1. Uh, but you do have a Jacksonville team that is off the Thursday night game, 10 days to prepare, Gardner Minshew, we kind of talked about it with Nick Foles, ironically the starting quarterback in Jacksonville before Minshew, but he's a very high-variance quarterback. When he looks great, you know, he can look great and put up three, four touchdowns, and obviously the Indianapolis Colts learned that the hard way in week one, and Minshew had a really nice game in week two against Tennessee as well. But then you see him in week three really struggle to move the ball downfield at all, check down Charlie and Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins had their way really on in all three phases in that football game. So for that reason, this game is going to be a stay away from me just because I think with both of these quarterbacks, obviously Burrow looks pretty good, but still a rookie making just his fourth start. And for Minshew, we know about him being a high variance guy. So definitely not running to the window to lay a field goal with the Cincinnati Bengals anytime soon. Uh, but after watching the Jacksonville Jaguars in their last game, they looked more like the team that was tanking for Trevor. So I'm going to stay away here. No, I'm going to as well. I have, I have nothing on this game. I I just can't believe with uh, Shark out last week, I didn't think it would affect them that much. I, I still thought Jacksonville would put up a bunch of points and win the game ultimately. And I can't believe how much that really seemed to affect their offense. They didn't look like the same bunch as we've seen in the past. Yeah, no, for sure. And it sounds like DJ Shark might return to this he game. He was limited. Uh, yeah, he looked he was limited, so that generally means he's trending upwards after not playing, right. but especially if as we record on Thursday, you're limited before you even get to Friday. So But does that so last week the Eagles were looking to play for the tie. Are you are you more concerned about that than than how uh, than how they looked, they're they're kind of playing for the tie. I just I don't understand that move. Um, does that speak more to the Eagles not being 
a very good football team this year, or does that speak to Cincinnati looking pretty solid and covering I mean, once again? You would have tried the 64-yard field goal? I would have just played a little more aggressively prior to that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Doug Peterson certainly got uh, – Isn't Doug Peterson kind of known for being a little more of a aggressive type of coach? Isn't yeah, that kind of his bread and butter? That and, was a tough spot. I mean, I'm not saying that punting would have been the move, uh, but – Gosh, if given the choice between going for it, I don't know what the analytics are on 64-yard field goal versus I think it was fourth and 15. Um, but that was an ugly game, really, from the Eagles and uh, Carson Wentz. We'll get to them, but uh, gosh, he's. I still- was kind of thinking. I was kind of thinking back more as the Eagles tied the game. Do you go? Do you go for the win there with the two? I feel like that's something Doug Peterson had in the back of his mind. I figured right. that's something you probably and, would do in the past. And- they should have. But let's go. Let's go to the NFC East and talk about the team uh, at one and two that is tied for first in the division, and it's the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Cleveland Browns. Dallas four and a half point chalk at home down in Arlington. Total of fifty six in this one. And I got to be honest, I kind of like the Dallas side here. Uh, phony cover, I think, from uh, Seattle getting the two point conversion to uh, get outside that number of five. Um, and then Dak throws an interception late. Uh, I will say Dak, he puts up the numbers, but and he has won a playoff game. But there have been some spots last year against the Eagles in Week 16, and just when you need him to drive you down the field, he has not shown to me that he can consistently do that enough yet. Um, Alex, I'll let you weigh in here. Do you kind of have any thoughts there on – on Dak, just, you know, late game, fourth quarter. Like, I just haven't seen it yet from him there. And last week against Seattle was another example. No, you're exactly right. And they they have all the weapons in the world. But that that defense leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, they're, they're uh, 28th in the league with average passing yards per game. They give up 277 yards per game so far this season. It's really a tough spot to be in there. They seem to always be playing from behind, and they always have the the weapons, and Dak seems to play pretty well, just doesn't quite finish the games like we saw last week. And so you mentioned the Dallas defense, and obviously Russell Wilson and uh, Matt Ryan have really exposed the secondary the last couple weeks. But that's my interesting angle here on this game. We know that Cleveland is a going to be a ground-and-pound team. That's their identity. And the less they ask Baker Mayfield to do, the better. And it feels weird saying that about a third-year quarterback that was drafted number one overall. But I think we know that Baker Mayfield is flat-out not great. Like, I don't know what else to say. He's like, a, he's he's a game good. manager at this point. He's a at game manager. Point, but, right. And but so, he's a better game manager than most. He's he's more talented than most game managers, but at this point in his career, with all those weapons, can't get it done. He's he's a game manager. We can say that, I think. Right. And, and, and so, when we look at Cleveland, we've seen him play three games, and we've seen him beat Cincinnati, and we've seen him beat Washington. But we saw him get blown out on the road by Baltimore, and I'm not saying that Dallas is in Baltimore's stratosphere, but Dallas is certainly several notches above Cincinnati and Washington. And so that's where I struggle and why I am going to lay the four and a half and back the Cowboys here, because I see the Cowboys offense doing its thing as it has all three games for the most part, although the Rams defense did a pretty good job against them week one. And then you're going to ask Baker Mayfield to come back And, oh, by the way, Odell Beckham, as we record on Thursday night, just got added to the injury report with a back problem. So if he's not there, then that makes me like Dallas even more. I've locked this in at Cowboys minus four and a half because the more you're going to ask Baker Mayfield to throw, bad secondary or not for Dallas, I just don't think he's capable of beating Dak Prescott in a game that's first to 35, let's say. So I think this is something like, Dallas 33, Cleveland 20, where Dallas kind of always has the lead and Baker just makes more mistakes than Dak in a game that both quarterbacks need to put up big numbers. I'm going to back the guy that has done it more often than not, but um, I think you kind of like the other side here. 
Yeah, I do. I I lean the Browns. Um, I think I think most of my play is going to be on the under, actually, despite both these teams uh, not defending that well and being able to move the ball. I'm just kind of relying on Cleveland controlling the game on the ground. I think they can do well at controlling the game on the ground, and maybe that will limit the Baker mistakes. And I think with the secondary this poor, also Trayvon Diggs was limited in practice today. I know he's he's their rookie. He's a, he's a pretty solid player. I think they can control the game on the ground and keep it close, but I think that might lean more towards the under than it does towards Cleveland covering. I think Dallas could cover, and this good game could go under. Let's keep things moving and go to – actually, we're going to stay in the state of Texas where we have the Houston Texans hosting the Minnesota Vikings uh, Houston four-point chalk in this one. The two teams are combined 0-6 straight up. Uh, and I believe, yeah, Houston has not covered any of its three games either. Minnesota got its first cover last week in the 31-30 loss against Tennessee. We have a total of 54 in this game. Minnesota number 261 in the rotation. Houston 262. And I'm going to look to 262. That's the home chalk again uh, in Texas, and it's Houston. I'm going to lay the four here. I'm going to back the Texans. This is very simple for me. Houston is 0-3, but they have played three Super Bowl contenders. I'm ready to go there with the Steelers, and I think we all knew that Kansas City and Baltimore, the first two weeks for Houston, was a, a tall task for the Texans. And all we've learned about Houston for three weeks is that they're not on the level of those three teams namely Kansas City and Baltimore, where they were playing catch-up pretty much the whole way. They hung in there against the Steelers most of the way last week, but ultimately Steelers win and cover to go to 3-0. and But now you get Minnesota, and Minnesota just looks lost. And the problem is they've had a lot of turnover on defense, a lot of changes, a lot of youngsters playing in the secondary for the Vikings. Daniil Hunter has not played yet. He's on IR, probably the best overall defender. Yannick Ngonkwe just got there from the trade with Jacksonville. Anthony Barr, one of their veterans, out for the year with a torn peck. And so their defense has had a lot of new players thrusted into roles that they're probably not ready for, rookies, young guys. And then offensively, you never really know what you're going to get from Kirk Cousins against Indianapolis in week two. He threw a total dud in there to the point where even though the Minnesota defense played well in that game, it didn't matter. And so I think there's a lot of problems with Minnesota, and especially the way they lost that game last week when they were up 24-12 to on Tennessee and they let the Titans come back. I wonder where their locker room's at, and I think this is just a lost season for the Vikings, whereas I think Houston is pretty upbeat here. I think they're coming in here knowing that they're 0-3, but that they're better than that record, and it's time to start showing it as the schedule lightens up. So I think this is a great spot to lay the four, and I'm going to back the Texans at home. Nothing official for me, but I would lean that way. This, this does feel a little low. Uh, Minnesota 1-6 over their last seven against uh, straight up. I just don't I, – I feel like, yeah, Minnesota's kind of lost their way. I uh I wouldn't be running the window with the Vikings right now. I I would lean I would lean Houston as well. This feels like a little low at home. Let's wrap things up before we hit our break and go to South Florida where we have the Seattle Seahawks making the longest flight on the continental US going from Seattle to Miami and laying six and a half here, a total of fifty four. Normally I do kinda like to look at that West Coast going east spot. Although Pete Carroll has actually fared pretty well in his tenure with Seattle playing in the 10 a.m. Pacific time window on the East Coast. I'm just going to straight up say from the two teams, and when we look at the way Miami played last week, I think that was a galvanizing victory for the Dolphins. And I know it was just Jacksonville, but they poured it on. They were no doubt the right side in that game from start to finish, and I think that's the kind of victory that can get Miami a young team with a lot of kids that are just getting their feet wet in the NFL. I think that can really 
boost their confidence. You give them an extra few days of prep, and that offense was clicking last week. And if there's one thing we know about Seattle, it's that the secondary is an absolute nightmare. Really, the whole defense is. But we saw Dak Prescott have his way with them in Seattle. We saw Cam Newton have its way with them in Seattle. And now they're going to travel east and play the Dolphins. And I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not on the level of Cam Newton or Dak Prescott, but he should be able to have a nice game here. And he should be able to keep up with Russ enough to cover this number. And if you look at the Seattle point spreads the last two weeks, laying five against Dallas, they get the two-point conversion late, and then they keep the Cowboys out of the end zone as Dak throws an interception. They're laying four and a half against New England, and they stuff Cam Newton on the goal line, and they cover by the hook. They win the game by five. So their defense has made plays in crunch time when needed, but as I said, I think their defense is a total train wreck. And so I have no, as I said, with the bad defense, don't want to lay points type thing, that's where I'm at with Seattle right now. There's no way with this defense to where I can get there and and lay these points. I mentioned that with New Orleans, with how their defense has been playing. It's the same thing with Seattle. I don't want to lay a touchdown here, and I think Miami is live to possibly win this game because I really think that that win last week uh, is going to get them going a little bit more. And I'll be honest, after week two, they went 0-2 and people started yelling for Tua. I don't think you're seeing the Alabama product for at least a month. I think Miami keeps this game close. Probably my favorite play of the week is them plus the 6.5, plus the 7, depending on where you get it. Um, And as I said, I think they have a chance to win the game outright. How do you see this one? Yeah, I got got the Dolphins plus 7. I like that. I think the the Fitzmagic train rolls on. He looked looked really good last week. Granted, that's that's a soft Jacksonville defense, but... Is Seattle really that much better? They they're last in the league right now, averaging 430 passing yards per game. I just don't I don't know how they can can stop them enough. That just feels a little high. I feel like the back door is forever open with Fitzmagic on the field. Right, that's exactly how I look at it, and I think and that, also I think I think Chris Chris Carson was limited today. That's a yep. huge loss if he can't play. That's a big part of their offense. They're going to sling it all over the field. Um, Byron Jones was limited, so that's that's more beneficial. He might be back. That's that's better than the outlook last week. But even without him, Seattle's going to score their points. But so are the Dolphins. They have some weapons, and Fitzpatrick looks pretty good. I I think they can exploit this Seattle secondary like everyone has so far this right. year. I think they'll keep it close. That's a lot of points. Right, exactly. I, I just think it's too much to trust a Seattle team that can't stop anybody. And Jamal Adams, by the way, has been uh, limited yeah. in practice. He he may not go, uh, so that secondary would be uh, undermanned in addition to underperforming. Time to take a break. We'll come back and go through the rest of the rotation on the other side. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory, and many of your favorite local joints are still open for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, 
and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees the first time you go through the ringer when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's the code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Halfway through the NFL rotation for week four, Greg Frank at Undercover Greg. For all of my gambling picks, our producer and co-host, Alex Uplinger, manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And Alex, I thought we were on to something here with the eight one o'clock starts and the five four o'clocks, but here we are back with just three four o'clock games to talk about. Uh, I guess we didn't get all the way there. No, they must have not not listened very clearly. They missed us. <laughs> so we do have a few more 1 o'clock Eastern time kickoffs to run through, and we're going to start. Uh, we talked before we hopped off about the Miami Dolphins, going to stay in the state of Florida, talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are off to a 2-1 start laying a touchdown at home, seven-point chalk against the L.A. Chargers, total of 42.5 in this one. And that's where I'm interested in this game, and I'm going to play the game under the total. I got under 44. Bet online is at 42.5 right now. I am in agreement with the under money that has come on this game. If you think about it, Leonard Fournette not, likely not going to play for Tampa Bay, and it seems as if Chris Godwin is going to be out for the Bucks and Scotty Miller may also not go. So Tom Brady might be down some of his weapons. And obviously the pro-Tampa Bay argument this offseason was all about all those weapons he has. And he would still have Mike Evans there. Gronk got more involved in the passing game last week. And O.J. Howard looks to maybe be emerging a little more. But I do have my reservations about the Tampa Bay offense being able to run up and down the field week in and week out. Now, it is a slightly banged-up Chargers defense as they, it looks like they're going to be without Melvin Ingram and Derwin James is on IR. But Joey Bosa returned to practice today for the Chargers. And I think the Chargers, even though we are in this era of overs, I think the Chargers are actually an interesting under team. Because if you think about it, they uh, don't have a ton of explosive playmakers on their offense. You know, Keenan Allen is a nice receiver. He's had a really nice career. But he's not somebody that you expect to necessarily make a ton of big plays, like 80-yard touchdowns. He's somebody that is going to get his 8 for 80 or whatever, and, and, and maybe he scores, and, and he'll put up the yardage, he'll catch the balls. But I never looked at him as a major explosive, you know, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones playmaker that could m score a touchdown on almost any given play. And so when you look at the rest of their offense, obviously – We've seen the fourth-round rookie running back out of UCLA, Joshua Kelly, get involved. And the running back, Austin Eckler, is utilized a lot out of the pass, out of the backfield. And Hunter Henry is another pass target for Justin Herbert. A tight end, though. And so when you're talking about featuring running backs and tight ends in your passing game, that's normally shorter stuff, too. And you have a rookie quarterback here. I just don't see the Chargers most of this season taking a lot of chances downfield. Maybe they will sprinkle one in every now and again. But I think they want to put Herbert in good positions to succeed and get the ball out of his hands quickly, which means a lot of shorter passing plays. And you get a banged-up Tampa team. I just think the under makes a lot of sense here, and I played it at under 44. Yeah, I think the under makes a lot of sense, especially if you're looking at the Chargers at plus seven. I think they can keep the game close. I'm also seeing 66% of bets are coming in on the Bucks, but 71% of money is coming on the Chargers. So, you know, that means some some sharper money is coming in on the Chargers. So they think the Chargers are going to cover. So I think that means they'll probably keep it close, which would probably lend towards your under. Yeah, and so I think, uh, again, as I said, I grabbed it at 44. Uh, if you can grab 44, go ahead. 42 is kind of a key number for totals, so I would probably play it down to that key of 42. Let's go back up to uh, the Mid-Atlantic, and it's the Baltimore Ravens, the Battle of the Beltway, taking on the Washington football team, total of uh, 
45 in this game. Baltimore is a hefty 13.5 point favorite in this game. I, I will say, if I was going to play the side, I'll probably stay away here. But if I was, I might lay it with Baltimore just on the pure premise that the Ravens really got embarrassed last week. That game in Monday Night Football did not live up to the billing. And we saw the Ravens, Lamar was playing from behind. And I think that has been a blueprint against the Ravens. If you make Lamar have to throw, keep him in the pocket, negative game scripts, he really hasn't been able to lead them back. And the problem is they just aren't in that game script enough. And that's why I would kind of lean to the Ravens here because of the fact that you would think they're just going to be able to go out and run the ball and run the ball and do what they do and never get behind enough and be able to score 35 points and cover this number. Ultimately, short week, we have seen snippets of Washington be competitive. They had a two-score lead against Cleveland last week. They obviously beat Philly outright. And we saw in the second half against Arizona, despite the fact that Arizona got out to a huge lead, Washington made the final score respectable at 30-15. to 15. So if they're going to play hard like that, then you also worry a little bit about, about, about a backdoor. So... Again, Washington, not the most talented team, but it looks like they're playing hard for Ron Rivera, which makes it hard for me to lay this kind of a number. But I would lean to the Ravens. It won't be a play for me, though. Nothing official for me either. I I would lean the Ravens as well. It looks like Chase Young is not going to go, which is a huge part of their defense, their front seven. I think the Ravens might be able to control the game on the ground, which is – what they like to do so they don't get behind and have to throw. But also, if there's a team you have to throw against, it's it's going to be this Washington secondary. Troy Aki, Penn Stater, he doesn't look like a professional football player. I don't think he can cover anyone in the secondary. I would lean Ravens despite that huge number, but I can't play anything here either. Let's move to the late window where we have the New York football Giants traveling west to take on the L.A. Rams. And we have another huge number here as the Rams are 13-point chalk, a total of 48. And we certainly saw the Rams with a valiant effort, probably should have won the game outright as two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Buffalo coming all the way back after the Bills had their way with the L.A. Rams most of that game. Uh, But now we have the Rams sitting as – Two touchdown favorites uh, with a total of 48. And I got to say, Alex, I would have the slightest of leans to the Giants here just based on the fact that when you have teams that have been getting embarrassed the way the Giants and Jets have, I think you have to remember that they are still NFL teams and that the players that are suiting up for those teams are going to, I think, say enough's enough, like, we need to at least put forth a respectable effort. And I think that's part of the reason we saw, as we record just before kickoff of the Thursday night game, I think that's part of the reason we saw some Jets money come in this week, aside from the fact that they were playing a third-string quarterback. But that's kind of why I think the Giants getting this many points is one of those plug-your-nose-and-hang-on-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type bets. Because I do think (laughs) that it's just normally when you're talking about these numbers in the NFL, it's just about – playing hard enough, as I said, why I don't like the Ravens laying it, even though I would lean that way, I won't play it, is because I expect Washington to compete enough to where they won't get flat-out embarrassed. That's kind of how I feel with the Giants. While I know Saquon Barkley's not there, we saw Josh Allen have his way most of that game against that Rams defense, so I think it could be a nice spot for Daniel Jones and the pass catchers he does have, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, to at least move the football enough to score in the low 20s, let's say, which I think is enough to cover this number. Not an official play for me yet, but I do lean the Giants. Yeah, nothing official for me. This might be a good look for the over. I think the Giants might be able to put up some points as well, even though last week we did not see that. I think the Giants could come out and put up some points. Um, the Chargers, or the Rams, they they should have came back and won that game, which I'm glad they didn't because I'm on the Josh Allen MVP bandwagon. I'm really liking that. I'm really liking Buffalo. But um, 
the Giants should be able to put up enough to cover this number. This feels a little too high. And that's the thing, right? Like, when you see these big numbers, I think you have to ask yourself. And with Baltimore, I think it is warranted because we've seen them really run through some teams. But are we ready to say the Rams deserve to be in this big of a favorite role again? Obviously, if you believe that this is the Super Bowl Rams again from two years ago that won the NFC, then maybe you are. I'm not there yet with the Rams, and it just feels like you should not be laying double digits unless you're a legit Super Bowl contender. That's well, and I, I think the case in the case for Baltimore is can Washington score enough points? We haven't seen that. We've seen we've seen a couple lackluster performances after that Eagles game, and I'm just not sold on their offense. They don't have nearly as many playmakers as most teams do. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, so you're saying you lean Baltimore there? I would definitely lean Baltimore. I, right. I just and, don't. And, but, I, but I think, right, you make a good point. Terry McLaurin popped up on the injury report, too. Yeah, if, I saw that. Limited if you're going to have Baltimore be able to run right through and do what they do and have a Lamar, Ingram, Dobbins game on the ground, then yeah. Right. Can, can, Washington, can Washington even put up can, – can they put up 17? I, I don't – I don't necessarily see that. That's why I kind of so, like the under. As far as the second game, you do think, though, that the Giants can get into the 20s? Yeah, I do. I think Daniel Jones is a much more competent quarterback, and I think he can see the field enough to, to exploit this a little bit more. So let's wrap things up with three more games, one more in the late afternoon window, and then the primetime games. We have the Buffalo Bills laying three going cross-country to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. The juice is on the Buffalo Bills laying the three. Minus $1.22 you got to give on the VIG to get Buffalo right now. So that we would think that is trending towards three in the hook. Uh, total of 53 in this game, but I think I'm going to lean with the Raiders here. Again, just a lean... Um, I also think the over is kind of interesting here, given the way Josh Allen has been playing. Damon Arnett in the secondary uh, for the Raiders has been banged up, and we saw the Patriots last week run all over the Raiders. So it looks like Zach Moss is going to be back for Buffalo. Could be a big Devin Singletary, Zach Moss games. But also, you don't have a corner there in Arnett uh, in the secondary, and we've seen how successful Stephon Diggs has been uh, through the air for Buffalo. But conversely, the Buffalo defense has not been getting the job done the way you would normally expect them to. As we said, they let the Rams back in the game last week. And before that, the Dolphins got a backdoor cover in week number two against Buffalo. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to hang 28 on that Buffalo defense. So I know it lo- Henry Ruggs is most likely not going to play here for the Raiders. And you always question if they can really score enough with these teams that have been offensive juggernauts. But they did enough to score, as I said, against the, the Saints on Monday Night Football. I would lean over, and I would lean Raiders, uh, but still just leans for me. I'm not. Uh, it wasn't something that really made my eyes gauge out wide. So I am going to likely stay away, but I could definitely see myself. If it gets to three and a half, I'm interested in the Raiders, uh, and I kind of think the over is the way to look if you're interested in the total. Yeah, I think the over would be the play for me. I was initially looking at Buffalo. I'm just I'm on that bandwagon. I think they've looked very good. But is there more a surprising unit than the Buffalo defense being this bad? I, I'm very shocked that it's this down. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, well, the linebackers have been injured. Matt Milano and Tremaine, Tremaine Edwards, Edmonds. Edmonds. Yeah, Edmonds. Uh, and those guys are getting back. Uh, and, and I do think that, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where uh, a good unit from last year kind of puffs its chest out a little, and then you remember it's the NFL, you know, and, and, and you get a little bit of a wake-up call. So maybe this is a get-right spot for the Buffalo defense. Uh, but I, I don't know. That, that Raiders offense has found ways to put points up, even though, uh, as we said, they lack weapons. So uh, I, Yeah, they've, they've done pretty well at it feels like a it feels like a trap game, Buffalo only being three point favorites on the road. But then I think about it, like I think we've overcorrected on these away teams. I th- I think home field doesn't mean much right now with no fans. It feels like sure. a scrimmage for a lot of these teams just going through the motions. I think if that 
helps to anyone. It's it's younger quarterbacks like Josh Allen just going through the motions and coming in here with no pressure and just swinging the ball around. I think I would look to the over as well. Let's go to the marquee game in the late afternoon window, and that is the New England Patriots traveling to Kansas City. We skipped over this one in the rotation. I don't know how I missed it. It's probably the best game of the week. Kansas City is laying seven, total of 52.5 in this one, and we saw Kansas City really dominate the Baltimore Ravens, a very impressive performance on the road from the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. New England did what New England does, and that was run the ball really well last week against the Raiders. Obviously, when we think about what Baltimore likes to do, Kansas City really took away that Baltimore ground game last week and made it very hard for Lamar Jackson and company to score points. But I will say, if they are able to take away the New England ground game, I wouldn't be so sure as saying that New England is going to fold the same way Baltimore did because we saw Cam Newton trade points with Russell Wilson on Sunday Night Football, and that's why I think New England could at least be able to stay in this number if we get into a shootout. I think Cam is on a nice revenge tour here and is in for a really big year as if we haven't seen it already, and, and he's obviously been very good. I think there's a good chance that New England is going to be able to stay inside this touchdown. Uh, Kansas City on a short week having played Monday Night Football. I'm very interested in Bill Belichick as an underdog. Uh, He would have covered, he lost it by the hook out in Seattle in week two. I think this is going to be a game where the Patriots, we saw it in week two for the Chiefs. The Chargers kept Patrick Mahomes on the sideline for most of that game, and or at least more than usual, and they were able to cover the number and looked like for a while they might be able to steal that one outright. I think New England is going to be able to play a similar game here. And therefore, I think if you do like the Patriots, you might want to look towards the under because it probably would mean that they're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, I just am confident enough in what I've seen from the from the Pats, excuse me, to think that they can cover this number. But Alex, uh, I think you said you kind of lean Chiefs here. Yeah, I do lean Chiefs. But the one thing that scares me is that New England rushing attack, they, they lead the league in uh, average yards per game. They they put up 178 yards rushing per game. That's very scary. I just feel like this number it's just it's just begging you to take the Patriots. So I'm gonna I'm gonna zig where everyone's zagging. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go Chiefs minus seven. I feel like they just can put up so many points on offense. The Patriots I think the biggest discrepancy here is on the line. The Patriots they average 1.7 sacks per game, and the Chiefs are first in the league in giving up sacks at only 0.7 sacks allowed per game. They gave up zero sacks last week against Baltimore. If you can't give pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I think he's just going to pick apart this Patriots secondary, despite having you know Stephon Gilmore in one of the best corners in the league. I just see Mahomes sitting back there behind a great offensive line. I think they're going to pick him apart. New England's going to try to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball with success. I can agree with that. But they're going to have to score points at some point. I just don't see how they can keep up points-wise. I think minus seven is a lock. Wow, a lock. Lock of the week. Wow. Maybe that's enough to talk me off the pass. But, um, <laughs> again, this will well, probably... I was I was so bullish on the cards and they they lost by three to to the Lions at home. So take it for what it's worth. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's conclude with the primetime games where we have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling out west to take on the San Francisco Forty Niners, number two seven seven and two seven eight in the rotation. Philly, a seven point road underdog in this game, total of forty six. And I think the story here is injuries for both teams. Greg Ward on Thursday was the only receiver on the Eagles' 53-man roster that practiced. And uh, we saw the Eagles bring in Hakeem Butler, uh, who they listed as a tight end, uh, to mitigate the loss of Dallas Goddard, who they placed on IR. Obviously, injuries have been a story for the Eagles, but they just haven't been playing well. Carson Wentz looks like a shell of himself. And it's an offense that just lacks playmakers and and can't really uh, move the ball downfield 
with any serious pace and, and find that explosive play. And so for that reason, uh, it's certainly been ugly watching the Eagles, uh, whether you bet them or not. I'm an Eagles fan, and I've watched these games, and it's just been painful watching their offense the first three weeks of the year. Having said that, the offensive line has done a good job the last couple weeks, uh, allowing few pressures, and that's where it's so concerning for Carson because the quarterback has just looked very, very ugly, and now they start this three-game stretch of at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, and then Baltimore where it doesn't get any easier for Philadelphia. Uh, But with the offensive line having played well and protected Wentz, they were having success running the football last week with Miles Sanders. I think this could be a spot, and I think it is a plug-your-nose and hang-on-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type bet where the Eagles could be live here getting the seven because we know that San Francisco has injuries on its defensive line, and that could allow the Eagles to shorten this game and play some ball control. Not that you're necessarily worried a ton about Nick Mullins moving the ball up and down the field, and it doesn't look like Debo Samuel is going to be back just yet for the San Francisco 49ers. The big concern that I would have matchup-wise is George Kittle coming back against the Eagles linebackers, who are the worst in the National Football League. So this could certainly be a huge game for Kittle. I just don't think San Francisco, who has been a bad home favorite under Kyle Shanahan, and we saw it in week one. We were both on Arizona getting this number as well. I don't know that I'm ready to trust them. The last two games with Mullins, it was the Jets and it was the Giants. I don't think the Eagles are that bad. Again, I think this is a great buy low. I shouldn't say great because it's still the Eagles. But I think this is a nice buy low spot on the Eagles. Nobody wants a piece of them. I don't think they're as bad as they've started the season. I think they can cover this number, something I will probably be on come kickoff Eagles plus seven. <laughs> Greg, I, I think I will say great by low. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to join you and plug my nose and play this. I'm just really worried about that Eagles wide receiving core. Jackson, Jeffrey, Arcego Whiteside, they all didn't practice today. It makes me nervous. I don't know. Is it, is it going to be Greg Ward that's going to be the only receiver out there? No no uh, Goddard. So we're relying on, we're relying on uh, Ertz and, and I guess Greg Ward and Miles Sanders. I, it's so tough, but also last week the, the uh, Niners had absolutely no one and they – comfortably covered so could this be a good under spot i would i would lean the under but <laughs> here we go again with the niners I, know, under. I know i know i know the niners under has burned us many a times and in prime time it it seems like just points just points occur in the in the prime time spots i think i would i would plug my nose and take the eagles as well it feels a little too high for for a Niners team that's not not very healthy right now. So let's wrap things up with the Monday night football game, and we have the lowly Atlanta Falcons coming in at 0-3. Dan Quinn still employed by the Atlanta team. Uh, they are getting seven in Lambeau against the Packers, total of 56-and-a-half, and you talk about prime time total, this might be a good look to go over with, a Green Bay offense that is just humming on all cylinders right now. And we know that it's an Atlanta defense that can't stop anybody. 3-0 and to the over this year are the Falcons. So maybe it's kind of sounding like a broken record here. But looks like Devontae Adams probably comes back in this game for the Packers, even though Alan Lazard could be sidelined. Uh, and then you have... As I said, an Atlanta offense that probably is going to get Julio Jones back. So, again, while Atlanta gives you a lot of caution, and after last week, I know we were not supposed to hold grudges when it comes to gambling, but they burned me, so I definitely don't want to back the Falcons here. I just think the over would be the only way I could look in this game. I didn't really like the Packers preseason, and it might be time for me to take the L on that one. But at the same time, I don't know that I'm laying seven with them either. I'd probably lean over here, Alex. How do you look at Monday Night Football? 
Yeah, I would have to. I would have to go the over as well. Um, 56.5, it, it was bet down from the opening number of 58, which is one Great. of the highest yeah. numbers. Yeah, that was one of the highest numbers we've seen. Um, I think, if anything, you have to play the over just prime time, especially after last week, what we saw the Packers do. And also what the Packers didn't do. There's no tackling on either side of the ball. I mean, this might be more a a Packers team total over than a full game, just in case their defense actually decides to show up. But, yeah, I would have to look at the over, if anything, here. And that'll wrap things up. A consensus lean on the over in Monday Night Football to conclude our full slate NFL Week 4 podcast. Alex, any final words, parting shots, something to say? <laughs> um, I'm just rooting here, here from my Jets. I'm a big Jets fan here. <laughs> There's football. Let's go. Yeah, let's go live Jets. <laughs> Sounds good. Alex, enjoy your week four. We'll be talking. You too. Talk to you later. That'll do it for Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg and find Alex managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And of course, please play responsibly. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.